pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on. Enjoy. Draft Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, Season 5, Episode 19. Um, we're back again, and I am joined tonight by uh, Harry this week. Harry Dale. Harry, how are you? Good, mate. Good to be back. Excellent. After a week off. And special guest, uh, Mitch, joining us from the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast uh, to really just bring the level of this production up. So, Mitch, thanks very much <laughs> for joining us uh, this week and lending us some of your um, just prowess and skill and uh, knowledge analysis. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, now, we thought we'd, we'd definitely kick off the pod because um, in the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast, they actually discuss uh, rugby and um, rugby topics. And we thought we'd kick off by really giving you the opportunity to um, discuss how your fantasy rugby season's going, um, specifically, I believe, your fantasy matchup this week. Um, how, how's that all working for you? Yeah, so this week was the Pick and Drive uh, host show-off. So I, I went up against Ando's team. Um, had a few late scratchings from my team going into the round. Um, I had Solomon Carter as one of my players that got pulled last minute, and I was, and then Harry Wilson's one of my players as well. So, with his injury early in the second half, I wasn't expecting to go too well, but somehow managed to get the victory and and scraped over the top of Ando by a few points and pushed him out of the top four. So, Very two good. weeks to go, and he's sitting in fifth place, and I'm in fourth. So, can't complain about that. That is a great feeling, isn't it? Um, not only the win, but also seeing your rival get pushed out, get their hopes and dreams truly crushed. So, um, it is. I find I'm torn with this kind of stuff. Like, I want Nelson to come last when I play him, but I also want him to come second. Like, part of you, and I, I feel like you might be the same, that you kind of like, you want Ando to do well, but as long as he just doesn't get anywhere near as good as you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm happy to win it, and Endo can come second. But if he if I'm coming third, then he needs to come sixth or eighth or yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's spot on. See, whereas I'm a simple savage, uh, all I care about is that new bum um, comes last, and I don't really care about anything else or anyone else coming anywhere. That's fine. That's I have one clear um, imperative, and that's it. So, um, and he's he's doing a pretty good job of that yeah. this year, actually. So um, it's been awesome. <coughs> but, uh, Harry, he, look, you've taken a week off. No, I was going to say, Harry, you've taken you've taken a week off, mate. How um how are you going in the fantasy front uh, as well, and how do you go this week? Yeah, well, obviously our, our week's still pending for when the, the force game got delayed. So I'm not looking great in that round. Oh, you mean our, our matchup? Sorry, I hit that matchup. Yeah, and not, yeah. I'm not looking great in that round. And I think I was coming first at one stage, and now I'm looking at five losses on the trot. I think I came cool. second overall this week to still lose to our eighth best fantasy manager on the table. So it was a pretty tough one to take to be honest with you, but I figured if I was waiting to come back on after a win, I might not get another chance to get on the pod this year. So <laughs> I needed to come back on this week. But, man, I, I just had uh, – I just thought a, a quick, good quick story before we move on to the games, Craigs. Yep. You can give some advice to Ando uh, – to Mitch, sorry, definitely not advice to Ando, <laughs> about how you uh, you brag over Nubum when you get a win, a couple of those uh, those stories that you've had for him. Oh, look, I feel it's a little it's a little upsetting because I haven't um, – haven't, I followed through on any of them this year, but um, I, I may have said them on previous pods, but just a uh, little bit of fun and games. Um, I like to send uh, something to, to Newbum's office, to his workplace. And, you know, just little harmless pranks. Like the first one, I sent him some um, sorry for your loss flowers with a card um, and everything. <laughs> and 
and he wasn't even there in the office actually. So his his boss received it and uh, was super stoked, thinking someone was sending him some congratulation flowers or something. And um, <laughs> so called him at home and he read the card out and just he was losing his mind on the phone. But that was good. Um, and then since then, what have I done? I've done the uh, the glitter bomb. So you kind of send like a spring loaded tube that's just full of glitter. Um, and Nubum, of course, is a uh, is a real estate agent. So um, he thought it was some plans or something. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> boom, that fired off all in his office. That was great. Uh, and my last one that I did was, this was my favourite, I think. It's like just a simple card. Um, but you know those cards that you get you used to get as a kid at Christmas and, and that open and play play a song, play some tune? Oh, yeah. Yep. So it was like that, but it was like a <clears throat> like reinforced cardboard card. And uh, when you opened it, it would not stop until you ripped up the card and physically like disconnect the wires from the little... <laughs> thing um and there's also glitter in that card when you do rip it open but uh it wasn't playing a happy little song um in fact it was just playing some let's say rather adult uh themed <laughs> sounds uh so um that one was good as well but uh no I, i've beat him twice this year and i haven't haven't uh haven't thought of anything good enough to do um a bit of a time poor this year so but there's some, uh, some ideas for you so you can send something to yeah Andrew, i'm we should have had this conversation last week. It's it's actually Ando's birthday today, oh, and it would have been timely to send him one of those glitter bombs to open in the middle of his class this morning. <laughs> I think that would have been hilarious. That's it. Oh, so well. look, you got to. It's the little things in life for me. Obviously, you don't get to be there to see it happen, but just the knowledge um, after, from from after the fact, it's it's fantastic. So I really I live for that stuff. But um, but look, alas, we should we should push on. Um, thanks, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Um, and let's get. Let's just rip straight in and, and get into the entree. So um, just a quick quick review of the games in round 12. Um, why don't I kick, kick us off with Harry? Harry, do you want to take us through the first game of the round, the Blues and the Rebels? Because otherwise I'll talk forever about my Blues. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, Blues 71 to the Rebels 28. So the wrap-up for this one, Rebels up 14-0, looking good, and then just completely fell apart. The Blues turned it on and just absolutely demolished them from there. Um, I, I blame Lucas Ripley solely, but I think I might be being a bit harsh. Mitch, uh, Mitch is about to tell me that I'm definitely being a bit harsh. He made four of 12 tackles in this game. He's 13 from 25 for the season. The three games he's played has been a 71 to 28 loss to the Blues, a 36 to 17 loss to the Brums, and a 31 26 loss to the Drua. I feel like the Rebels' defense is at its worst when he's in that side, to be honest with you. And I don't mean that as a personal attack on Lucas Ripley, but he's just quite clearly the, the final straw of the lack of cohesion in this side. That means their defense just falls apart. Um, so, yeah, the, the Blues, the Ioani brothers obviously just absolutely went mental in this one as well. Um, first time they've combined since 2020. Um, and, Kagi, mate, you've likened them to Captain Planet with their powers combined. They, uh, they're at their absolute best and unstoppable. They had five tries between them. I did. I did. Um, no, no, sorry. First time they've combined together this year in 2022. But, um, oh, they were unbelievable. I mean, it was awesome to say. I think... With Lucas Ripley, I think it's interesting. I think it just shows how important, you know, everyone always says that the 13 position is the def- the most important defensive position on the field and the hardest and probably really shows that it is. Um, but, no, I, I was loving Reiko Iwani coming up against him last weekend, I must say. So that was really good. Like what did you make of that game, Mitch? I was say, I feel like there's players out there that when you you put them in your team, they lift the, the talent across the 15. Like yeah. a player like Michael Hooper, Taniela Tupo, those players just lift 
the players around them. Lucas Ripley is the one that does the opposite. You put him <laughs> in your team and all of a sudden everyone just stops trying. Um, not a great record and, and just, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not a Melbourne Rebels fan, but there's not a whole lot of hope for them um, this season. They've just been going, getting worse and worse as the season wears on, unfortunately. To be fair, they've had a better year than the Tars did last year. So it's not like we don't know their pain. Yeah, I, I did call out earlier in the year in our pod that they might be the Tars of 2022 and go without a win this season. So they've shown me up in that regard. So I guess they're, they're doing a little bit better than I, I had hoped for them. But yeah, this week was not, not a good one. No. Love that. Um, all right, well, Mitch, do you want to take us through uh, the Moana Pacifica and Waratahs game? Yeah, so the Waratahs uh, got the victory in this one, 26 to 20 uh, against Moana Pacifica. Uh, the Waratahs, they almost showed up asleep this week. Uh, the Moana Pacifica, 17, uh, Neil, early on in the half. Uh, Waratahs did claw it back at 17, 14 and by half time. Uh, but yeah, little worrying in, in some regards that the Waratahs didn't back it up as much as we were expecting from that big win against the Crusaders the week before. Uh, but some of their big players uh, definitely stood up. Isaiah Parisi had a great uh, performance, particularly in the second half, set up a few tries. Dylan Peach scored uh, an absolute screamer that got wiped off the board. And had he not, if had he got that, I think I would have beaten Ando by a few extra points. But hey, You're still holding on to that. I heard you talking about <laughs> that Monday night. you got to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's all, this game was often talked about as a, a banana peel game for the Waratahs that you you put in a great performance against the Crusaders the week before and you come up against a team like Moana Pacifica that have the ability to push you and uh, looking at their record coming into the game, it, it, you would expect the Waratahs to win. But 17-14 at halftime or 17-0 uh, early in that first half, you were sort of expecting... Uh, or expecting a little bit more from the Waratahs. But the fact is that they, they were able to turn things around that second half and um, did come good. Great to see Christian Liliofano get his 1,001 career points, so seventh of all time in the Super Rugby. Is, it, is that overall Super Rugby scorers talent, overall, that one? Yeah, overall all Super Rugby scorers. So it's pretty pretty impressive, like pretty awesome feat. Yeah. Yeah, so he's number seven um, on that tally. Uh, and he is the first Pacific Island player as well to to be on that in that top seven. So fantastic to see that and get his little son out there to to give him the kicking tee was was awesome to see. Yeah, it was awesome. I think the one thing is I, I thought it was probably good for the Tars to have to face that adversity being down 14 points in the 20 minute mark, and they still fought back. So I, I thought if anything, it was a really good positive lesson for them, and they came out with you know the the perfect outcome, which was another win. You mean just they're up 17 nil? You mean just it's losing the 14 points in the second 20 minutes? Is that what you mean? No, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which well, it just showed. I mean, I think one of the strengths of the Tars has been their defense, like, you know, at that Crusaders game um, in, in, th- throughout the season. But there were a few I think, little. I think, sorry, I, I think you, you got that wrong. They were down. They were down nil. 17 points. Yeah, they were down. Oh, no, were they? They were down yeah, so 17 nil, and then was... they came back to 17 14 halftime. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought that I had that right. Yes, they they started incredibly slow. Moana got up to a big lead, and then they clawed it back and played very composed, organized rugby. Excellent. I see what I'm doing here. I'm just really testing Mitch out um, <laughs> on the Giraffe Rugby podcast by not only skipping a game, uh, just skip past the old Reds Highlanders game, but then also 
jumbling off some scores. So excellent. Um, we don't want to talk about the Reds. I mean, the Waratahs got another victory, right? So that's that's that's, right. that's probably what I was doing. Um, that's no. what we do on Pick and Drive. We we allocate fifty five minutes to the Waratahs and we <laughs> yeah. try and fit every other Super Rugby team within the last five. Absolutely. Exactly. But um, no, in finishing my point, I was just saying the Tars D has been really good, but I think some small, some, some lapses there early just from sustained pressure was just literally the Moana Pacifica having a lot of phases coming hard at them. It did wear down, wear them down um, and they cave. So then what they do to, to get up, but look, it was in fact, moving on, it was actually in the Reds Highlanders game. It was the Reds that um, were up uh, early, up 12 nil um, before then, losing the plot and uh, essentially it was really the Highlanders from, from uh, I guess halfway through the first half all the way through to the rest of the game, I'd say the momentum, if I'm recalling correctly, the momentum was with them. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I honestly don't think that the Reds did enough in those yellow cards. I think they might've scored five or seven points when those, those players were off. It was definitely not enough. And then to be honest, my takeaway from this was both teams looked woeful. Like this was, <laughs> not the Reds of Super Rugby AU and not the Highlanders that we've come to expect either. Like uh, my takeaway from the Highlanders is after Super Rugby Aotearoa, I thought for sure, even though they'd only won one game against Indrua, sorry, against Moana Pacifica, that they were still going to be an unbelievable side playing against most of the Aussie sides. But, man, they just looked so disjointed, so unorganised. There was so much turnover, so much, you know, so many errors. It just, it wasn't a good game and, I think hopefully both those teams get better from here. Um, they just need some, I don't know, the Reds need players back in the Highlanders just need to sort their own game out, I think. That's true. And uh, look, I mean, spoilers for the main course, but uh, the Highlanders, having beaten the Reds, so they'll have their tails up, they are then coming up against the Rebels this week. So, um, so maybe they go back to back. That's three. It. That'll be um, three in a row. But yeah, I mean, look, any other anything else from this game? Reds, obviously, they lost Harry Wilson um, injured early, uh, as Mitch alluded to earlier. Couldn't really get their big guns like Vunavalu. Couldn't really get him involved. Um, just you're right. I think it was just a low standard of footy all around, right? Like, yeah, yeah they just need to get more. Like both teams, just way too many errors. I, I think the less said, the better. Push on. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's move on to um, probably the. Probably the game of the round, I'd say. Um, uh, Mitch, do you want to take us through? What are your thoughts on the Chiefs and the Brumbies? Yeah, so the Brumbies did get uh, away with a 10-point victory over the Chiefs, 38-28 uh, over there in Waikato. So Brumbies did very well, actually, to keep the Chiefs and, uh, well, to to get out to a, a lead and to keep that sort of uh, scoreboard pressure for the majority of the game. We did see them mix up their formats of scoring this round as well. So that first try to Nick White was a, a clinical little run down the sideline when the Chiefs were sort of nap, turned off their defences and, and were sort of looking for a penalty or something. Uh, and they also scored a few more tries and uh, and uh, tries through up the guts with the, the big forwards as well. So definitely a good game from the Brumbies and show their capabilities in this competition. Uh, we've had... A lot of talk in this season around the Brumbies. Can they really compete against the New Zealand teams? And we had seen some good performances in the last few weeks, but to really keep the Chiefs to uh, 28 points and to to keep that pressure on them all the way through the whole 80 was a massive performance, particularly away from home. Agreed. Harry, what did you make of it? Honestly, I'm just waiting for them to slip up. Like, I I mean, we'll we'll get to the challenges they're going to face this year, but I just didn't think that... They could be this good this many weeks in a row. They were they were awesome. 
Uh, it was wrong way traffic. I think the scoreline kind of flatters the Chiefs a little bit, to be completely mm. honest with you. Just brilliant footy from the Brumbies. They just looked absolutely flawless, and they're going to be hard to beat if they can get their full, team, this full strength team on the park against any side. Agreed. And I think, look, I think week in, week out, we just keep saying the Brumbies have, are just being clinical in their execution. Mm. And I guess, you know, I was thinking, what, what do we mean by saying they're clinical week in, week out? That it's really just not making mistakes. Like they're just not not making shit passes, drop balls. Um, they're all hitting their lines perfectly. Like no one's overrunning things. And their set piece is just so rock solid. I mean, that that driving, that rolling mall try they scored was, um, you know, masterclass in how to do that. That was so patient um, and just was awesome to see. So that was a good one. I think I, I was just thinking, I can't remember the exact stats, but I think the Tars winning in, uh, in Auckland it was the first time they've won in New Zealand since 2015. But I think the Brumbies winning in uh, Waikato was the first time an Australian team, or sorry, it was the first time an Australian team has beaten the Chiefs in Waikato since I think it was 2012. <laughs> so, so I think it's 10 yes. years since the Chiefs, Australian team has beaten the Chiefs in in, um, in Hamilton or Waikato, wherever it was. Um, so that's pretty pretty huge feat. Um, I'm there, but yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the, uh, the Force and the Crusaders. Um, this one, I guess, sort of a no. It's not even really a similar storyline. Um, oh. The force put up. It was really, it was really a game of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, the force really did put up a good fight in the first half, um, and it's hard to believe looking back at it now that the scoreline at halftime was eighteen fifteen, close game at halftime, um, and yet the Crusaders ran away fifty three to fifteen winners in the end there, so bagged themselves another five tries in the um, second half. <laughs> This game just reminded me a lot of the Rebels Crusaders, and that is we're just waiting for the like the Crusaders when they're under pressure, they seem to try and play test match footy, and it's not going well for them this year. When they're confident, they throw it around and they back themselves, and they're unbeatable. And it was just kind of like the force trying to do their best to slow it, but uh, it was just a matter of time until the, the passes started to stick. And you know, I thought eighteen fifteen again flattered the force. The Crusaders were were looking pretty dominant and and did what they were probably expected to do and put away the force fifty three points to fifteen. It was pretty one way traffic for me. Yeah, I think yeah, this was the performance that we were expecting from the Crusaders for the last few weeks. They last last week against the Waratahs, they definitely were a bit off, and the the choice to rest Richie Mawanga was talked about a lot as one of those deciding factors of the team not performing as well as was to be expected. Richie Mawanga back this week, and and as we've said, the force did do well to keep within them th- uh, three points, 18-15 at half time. but it was always, just watching it, you're always expecting uh, the break to come or uh, the pass to, to go to hand and, and the score to just run away, which towards the end of that second half, it, it really did. That's it. The, the Crusaders, you know, I mean, we've always talked about over recent years, they've scored so many points in that last 20, but um, it doesn't matter what game it is. They seem to just like, they, if anything, they just get stronger and stronger towards the end of the game. Like they just accelerate the speed of the game anyway. And so, yeah, it's yeah. hard if... Um, Against the uh, and the Rebels, they just score so many points in the first 80. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that though, it's really close. Really <laughs> close. <laughs> This one was a really good one for fantasy managers, obviously. I mean, if you had Lester Fyanganuku or Will Jordan, who both bagged themselves a hat-trick, um, we're talking about 100 points each. Uh, so, no, it was awesome for them. Um, and, yeah, I think Mitch nailed it by saying what was expected, really. So, um, yeah. Final game, on to... Final game. <laughs> we'll move on to, yeah, the last game, um, the Hurricanes and the Drua. Do you want me to do this one? Sorry. Yeah, go. 
Yeah, yeah. cool. So Hurricanes are absolutely having a field day with this one, 67 to 5 to the Fijian Indrua, who, by the way the game ended up finishing, it sort of seemed like they didn't even come out of the change room uh, for <laughs> kickoff. But uh, what, what was that? What was the amount of tries scored in this game? Oh, what is we, is that I'll, nine? I'll look it up for you. Eleven. <laughs> however many it was, it was too many, and it, it just it got absolutely out of hand at, at certain points. Um, yeah. So definitely not the performance that I was expecting. I, I was expecting a little bit more from the Fijian and Drua uh, from what we've seen this season. D- obviously, the Hurricanes were the, the clean favourites to to get the victory here, but I don't think anyone predicted a sixty uh, sixty two point victory. Uh, here it was twenty six nil at half time. Uh, the Fijian drew in some ways, I guess, did well to score a try in this game because uh, it was pretty much one way traffic all uh, from the Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it, it was eleven tries, Mitch. You, you're bang on. It was outrageous. And and the crazy thing was they the Hurricanes had rested a lot of their good players. Like you know, I think I think you guys might have commented that they hadn't learnt their lesson. Uh, after resting their good players against Moana Pacifica early in the year, and then they've done it again against the Fijian and Drua. Well, I thought the same thing, but they've clearly learned some lesson because, <laughs> because it went very, very differently. Artie Sevilla not playing. Um, I think they had young Aiden Morgan at 10 again. They had, uh, I think Peter Among the Jensen might have been an injury actually, but um, Julian Sevilla not there, and Geordie Barrett rested as well. Like That's a lot of artillery to not put in your side to then still score 11 tries. Yeah, and, and how many, many, uh, many hat tricks were there? There was two or three hat tricks by players as well in this game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Josh Morby. I think it was. I think it was doubles. Doubles to Hoyson. Doubles was to it? Morby. Yeah. One to Ray Arcee. There was. I don't know. Everyone scored. It was who, whoever wanted to could have a try. That's it was it, more like it? who didn't score on the right. on the team yeah. sheet. Exactly. That's it. Nudie runs for whoever didn't score. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they even they even they debuted a twenty one year old youngster, Tyler Lobshot, who was uh, it was very impressive actually. He was involved in quite a lot of tries there, so it might have unearthed another back row talent. Um, but you're right. I, I mean, I don't really like to to look back and admit what I might have said last week, but uh, I might have even said that I thought the Drua could win this one. Given pretty that sure you did say that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there you go. Shows that I know what I'm talking about. But um, but anyway, no, it was yeah, it was definitely impressive. And for me, the hardest choice this week was deciding between picking up Morby or a Wes Husson for uh, my fantasy side. And um, I mean, I'm still happy. Wes got 50, 50 odd points, but uh, Morby got a hundred and something. So, um, you know, I picked wrong. But it's taken this week for me to come around to Josh Morby. I think he's been good for a fair few weeks in a row and mm. he's just been growing on me and growing on me. And like, I think this is the way where I'm like, okay, he's actually, he's a good player. I'll give him some credit. He's, he's played something like four or five good games in a row for the Hurricanes. He's very good. But the, the biggest point from this game for mine was um, 108 test all black Owen Franks. Uh, returning from overseas, um, and he almost bagged his first ever try in Super Rugby. Could be actually, I don't think he scored for the All Blacks either. So, just has he not scored a try at all? He he just has not scored. He played 150 games for the Crusaders and just never scored a try. He got close maybe twice, and so this time I think he thought he was in for all money, and uh, I somehow didn't get didn't get it again. So, um. That's a monkey on his back for sure. I reckon he's only come back to score a try. That's literally the only reason he's come back. Um, he'll score a try and then just immediately retire. He'll yeah, leave the field after he scored. Yeah, take his he just off. runs straight off. Just like yeah, I could see that beer, happening. Downs sure. it. He's like, I'm done. Yeah. I've scored my try. I'm done. 
I'm just trying to look this up. Surely he's got a try. Surely. No, no. He, it's, it's like what he's famous for, unfortunately. Not being, you know, an 100 test all black. It's been not having scored a try. But um, but anyway, Harry, do you want to rush us through um, so we can pick up some of the pace, the fantasy uh, stats from this round? Yes. So Willie Jordan was the man of the match, fantasy man of the, the week, I should say. Sorry, 112 points. For his 14 carries, he made 158 metres, three tries, 10 tackle busts three line breaks, one offload, one try assist. I'm getting dry just reading his stats line out. Uh, Four out of five tackles as well. And then uh, notable mention to Morby, who we mentioned earlier, 108 points. Salesi Rayasi, 102 points. Enrico Iwani, 93 points. The super sub for the week, so highest off the bench, you had Falau Fakatava, Carving it up, probably the difference in that game for the Highlanders with 47 points himself. And then I've already dumped on him once, why not twice? Captain Mud for the week, Lucas Ripley with minus 10. He, uh, yeah, we won't mention it anymore. He was a shocker. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But spoilers, he has been named on the bench again for this week. So um, he'll come on and prove us all wrong um, in the Rebels' shock victory over the Highlanders. um, I hope so. Yeah, he's going to come on, score an intercept try with two (laughs) minutes to go to get the victory. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, you heard it here first. So, yep. um, all right. Well, with that, let's let us push on to the the main course. So, let's take a look at round thirteen. The games coming up, as Harry said, the pick and drive podcast uh, usually on Mondays is for all the reviews, and uh, of course, then you get into draft rugby for um, a less quality show about previewing next week. So, um, that's that's uh, that's where we are. So, let's look at game one on Friday. We've got the Highlanders and the Force. Um, Mitch, do you want to? Kick us off with that one. Um, we, we first start with new, kind of some new injuries to report and players returning. We don't have a whole lot here, but um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, cool. So the injuries this week, Liam Coltman um, got injured last week for the Highlanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from the force, Isaac Fines, Lelia Wasa uh, has a foot injury. Do we know how long um, Fines is out for? Yeah, they, the coach said that he they're hoping that he can get back for the end of Super Rugby. So they haven't given a lot of detail, but it doesn't sound very positive. Well, the end of Super Rugby, that's like two weeks. So I know. It's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. Um, and then returning from injury, we've got Christian Leo Willey from an ankle injury for the Highlanders uh, and Manasa Mateelli as well for the Western Force. So yeah, that's a massive. I, I jumped the gun on Christian Leo Willey, actually, because they said he'd be coming back, but he's well, actually he's fit. Got, he just he's, wasn't he's, he's fit, but just wasn't picked, <laughs> I guess. So, so he, um, he's available. He's available. Yeah. He's just not being picked. That's yeah. it. That's uh Certainly. I might have been I might have been showing my hand, thinking that I would pick him up on my fantasy side if he was um, starting. So that's um, that's me. Yeah. But anyway, and uh, you mentioned Manasa Mateele as well. Back, uh, I'll be cheering about that one because he's in my fantasy team, and I was gutted last week. Uh, look, big talking point here. First one for me for the Highlanders is probably the entire game's talking point. Sam Gilbert is playing ten. Will <laughs> they lose to the Force because of this? I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, the whole. That's my whole thought on the whole game. Look, it's an interesting one. I was listening to it and uh, I was explaining to Harry just before the uh, the pod that they were saying Sam Gilbert has played 10 his entire like up, rugby upbringing in school and everything, then has even played it in club footy. Uh, and then it's just at the super rugby level that they turned him into a fullback and a um, winger. And they were saying, well, so he's actually been playing out of position for us at the Highlands. And, uh, and I was like, well, that makes no sense. Um, but... Uh, all right, so they're giving him a crack. And, um, I mean, Tony Brown must 
know something we don't, or this is just a massive disrespect to uh, Mitch Hunt, uh, to be fair. <laughs> just a huge shitting on Mitch Hunt, basically. Um, has uh, has I, Sam Gilbert shown at any point in this season that he has a skill set that suits 10? No. No, I've, I've always said he reminded me of like Johnny McNichol, but just way worse. Um, and I'm guessing that he's either just going to run the ball from 10 every time or um, they're going to cut him out. I don't know what the play is, but what's your take on this, Mitch? Uh, I haven't actually seen too much of, of his younger performances. So I'd just be going off what he's played this year. And mm. it, it is an, an interesting decision to shift a, a player who's predominantly played at super level um, in the back three into 10. It sort of seems like maybe the the Highlanders are just getting to the end of all the plans that they've had and just trying something new because they need to throw everything they possibly can at these last few games to try and get the win. Um, they're now sitting in eighth place on the table, so doing everything possible, maybe trying to pull a card out of the back pocket to see if this might be what can get them over the line. Yeah, definitely an interesting one. And I think you're right, Harry. What, it's the, the main thing everyone will be talking about in this game. But um, look, other other changes, we've got um, Josh Timu uh, starting at 13. Um, so Thomas Umunga Jensen moving into the 12 jersey. And uh, I was reading there was that this is the kind of centre combo they really liked shaping up as their favourite in pre-season. Um, although Harry was very quick to point out that in game in round one of the season, Josh Timu did two. start on the wing. So yeah. Um, so I'm not but, sure. It's, uh, it's weird pushing a centre for Tuli Paya out to the wing and bringing Timo in. But look, um, I think I think Tony just... Brown right now is just watching his coaching. Uh, you know, this the coaching pedestal that has been put on just burned to the ground with the Highlanders. Like you're putting Sam Gilbert at ten in a game that's probably the most important of your season so far. They're sitting at eighth. If they get a win over the Force, I dare say they lock themselves in or very close to lock themselves into a finals position. When then you know anything can happen. Realistically, they've got a lot of good players. Anything could happen in a final. No one's expecting them to win the comp, but they go and put Gilbert in at 10, okay? And then they go, Timo, oh, yeah, though he was always our preferred outside centre, but games one and two, when he was fit, we played him on the wing. Like It, it makes absolutely no sense. The guy had, a, guy had a PCL injury in round two, and he's been gone for six weeks, and it took him another five to get him into the side. Like, don't tell us that he's their preferred centre pairing. No one believes it. Surely no one believes this. <laughs> No, no, just... I've got it. I figured it out, um, and Ando will know all about this. Uh, Tony Brown has used the good old teacher's staircase method of marking, which is where you just grab a card for each of your like your papers or each of your players, and then you just throw it up in the air, and where they land on the staircase, that's your back line for the week. That's that's what he's gone <laughs> to. So out of ideas, he's given the staircase method a go. Um, yeah, look, it makes no sense, frankly, but um, it is what it is. I think, for me, the interesting one out of this will be uh, – and I think probably one of the key matchups in this game will be the Tuli Paya out on the wing coming up against Manasa Mataeli. So um, as we've kind of alluded to in earlier weeks, and we'll just get our last Mitch to jump into the force in a second. Um, we've said that Mataeli essentially is the entire attack plan for the Western force. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be a big battle there. I think. If that's a key matchup, mate, I'm feeling good about this game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Dead set. Mataeli versus Paya. Surely. Mattel is a man. And Mitch, look, what do you think about the the force? Um, they've got a few selection changes, but um, how do you? Yeah, think so I, I guess the the first one off the bat is that they've named Andrew Reddy at, at number two for hooker to start uh, with Fleety Kaitu on the bench, mm. which um, 
considering he's their captain, is a massive call and that Andrew Reddy is guaranteed to give away at least a yellow card, if not a red card, um, in the first 10 minutes. It will be interesting to see how that goes and, and why um, Tim Sampson has, has done this selection. Maybe he's expecting uh, or hoping for Kai Tu to get on in the second half and bring home the game and, and sort of spark the boys a little bit more than the impact that's been coming off the bench in the last few weeks. But you, you would think that you'd want someone like Kai Tu, with, particularly with his throwing and set-piece ability, to start the game strong and, and just get into the contest before worrying about finishing it off. I'd, I'd be pretty filthy if I was Kai Tu. This is the third time since round nine that Andrew already started. And Katu is, you know, to be fair, I think he's under a lot of pressure to get a spot in the Wallabies this year, particularly with the form of some of the other hookers in the competition. And he's just not getting enough, getting enough starts in the business end of the comp. I, I don't understand it. I don't think Andrew Reddy's done anything very exceptional. Faleti Katu is clearly the form player out of those two. I don't, I don't get it. Maybe it's I, the card factor. That if Reddy starts and they get a red card, at least they can bring Katu on. Whereas if you bring Reddy on later and he gets a cart, you're stuffed. I get it. That makes perfect sense. I was going to say you've called it. Tim Sampson's sick of deciding when to sub players on. He just knows that Reddy will just do, get the job done for him. You know what I mean? He won't have to make that call. So When was it? Was it last year in one of the first games that he played? He came on and threw that sneaky punch and gets a red card for it. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unnecessary. Yeah. Classic yeah. Reddy. Classic Reddy. Um, and what else have we got? So we've got, uh, we talked about Isaac Fines uh, being injured. So Pryor coming on. Um, I've just enjoyed shitting on Pryor again. So um, no, just, I think when, like last week, it was so apparent to me when when Pryor came on, just such a huge drop for the the force in general. Um, so not only obviously does Isaac Fines have, Lula Wasser have an awesome running game uh, and, you know, create some doubt in and around the, the ruck and the breakdown. Um, I was surprised by just the quality of, you know, the basics, like really good passing, you know, fast passes out in front of the, of the man and whatever. But when Pryor came on, uh, you know, he's throwing some, just some, giving some terrible deliveries behind the player that, you know, bend down, things like that. So just really dropped all, all around. Um, so yeah, just anyway. stifling the attack, doesn't it? When, that- when players have to wait for the ball to get to them instead of receiving it out on in front of them. It just yeah. forces the the attacking line to slow down. Absolutely, and when you're a team that already struggles a little bit with with your your offense, like losing that extra second or two or whatever, you know, every time is just absolutely fatal. So I think I think the one positive is that he's obviously a very accurate goal kicker, and the Force have lost a game or two this year just in goal kicking alone. Bailey Kunzel's pretty hit and miss in that area, so I think mm-hmm. it does shore that up for them. Um, which is one positive if the game is tight because, you know, it, it may well be, to be honest, looking at the sides. Yeah, fair. Now, look, I've said, um, you know, how do the force stay in this game? I think the question is how do they stay in it for the full 80 minutes? But I've also said they're going to need to be at least seven-plus points ahead at half time to have any chance of winning this one. Um, I mean, is seven-plus enough or, or uh, well, what do we think? Well, I mean, we saw them the last few weeks come up against the Blues and what was in that game, what was the halftime score off the top of my head? I can't remember, but they, I think from memory, it was something like 21 nil and they Mm -hmm. came back to within six or seven points um, pretty quickly in that, in the second half. And then had they kicked a few of their conversions and penalties, they're a few points ahead and they actually get the victory there. So 
they have shown that they have the ability to score points in the second half. Only though, I mean, asterisk is that I think the Blues went to sleep in that game and, and allowed the force back into it. If I was Tim Sampson, I'd just be saying, uh, give the ball to Mateli and just let him run wild this week. And because as a player, he can just run over anyone and, and create opportunities from nothing. Yep. You've yeah. just, I mean, you've just really said our summary of every force game that we've talked about <laughs> so far in the season. It's just been get, get the ball to Mateli. So um, hopefully they, uh, they do try that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I realized we forgot to, um, to chuck oh no sorry this is the first game of the round i guess let's move on to our, our tips of uh what do we what do we think final scores will be for this game um harry I'll, I'll go to you first um it's in new zealand which i think is pretty big so i think and it's going to be under the roof i suspect yep yeah mm-hmm. so dry track in new zealand i think that's pretty telling so i'm going to say highlanders by 10 points okay mitch what about you yeah i would have said something similar uh I I just I have worries that the force uh, just aren't able to get up for these big games this season, and they've not put in the performances that we've come to expect from the the players that we know are in the lineup. So I I think the Highlanders have a lot more to to gain from getting the victory this week. Uh, so I I don't see them going down easily, particularly at home. So I'll, I'll go the Highlanders by I'll say five. I, I also don't have a great deal of confidence in the Highlanders ability to score points and to really punish teams either. So fair enough. Score. I'll, um, I just wanted, I was, t- this is good. I was using both of you to temper my um, expectations here, but um, I'm going to go in and say Highlanders by 17 because it's under the roof. Um, it's a Kiwi <laughs> team under the roof in New Zealand playing Australia. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe this is the game that Aaron Smith steps up and has one of those ripper games like he was having last year. Bags a couple of tries himself and gets the whole team moving forward. You know, we're speaking about Isaac Fines and how much he meant for the force. If Aaron Smith can start showing some form, which he hasn't really this year, you know, this is he could turn it on and we could see that. So I just looked at my Super Bowl and I had pre pre pod tipped them at 18 as well. So I feel like <laughs> I convinced all this talk of Manasa Mateele, I feel like I convinced myself that it's going to be tighter. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Um, all right, perfect. Well, let's move on to the, well, I guess we can say pretty easily, probably the game of the round. The, yeah. I mean, obviously after the Waratahs Hurricanes, that's a given, but um, the Brumbies Crusaders uh, down in Canberra. Uh, Harry, do you want to um, rip through some uh, injuries and in returning for that one? Yeah, so uh, Noel Alessio, uh, hopefully back next week, he misses this week through injury, I think HIA for him, concussion for him. And Did Velatini, he come off from a concussion last week or is this something that he's picked up throughout the week? I, th- I think it's something he's picked up because I don't remember him coming off. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Uh, Valentini apparently has done his hammy as well. I heard a rumor that it was in scoring the, the team scoring their last try. Although again, I didn't see anything at the time. They said he might be out for a few weeks, so not sure how bad that is. But I don't know. Hammies are generally a couple, you know, one or two weeks if it's low grade, four, six, four to six if they're middle grade. So if he's not back this week or next, I think there's some trouble there for him. To be honest, with finals as well. Um, on the Crusaders side of things, you had Siona Habili out late with concussion, and then you had all of Oli Yeager, Mitch Drummond, Dan Gardner, and Zach Gallagher out with COVID, um, who are all largely, I think, available this week as well. Um, returning this week, you have Scott Barrett, who's back from his four-week suspension, I think it was for him, and Jack Goodhue as well. I think he was probably just rested, rotated last week. He's back into the outside centre position this week. 
Yep, perfect. Um, all right, and so look, let's rip into the Brumbies first. I think um, we we were all just saying uh, before we started the pod that um, how much the Brumbies are going to severely miss uh, Noah Lolisio and uh, Rob Valentini. That um, mm. if you could choose two players to not lose uh, in the team, it would be them. Um, and I think uh, I can't remember if it was Harry or Mitch who was saying that um, they've thrown in the towel as soon as they sort read that this afternoon. They uh, they don't see the don't see the wind coming. <laughs> um, how, how do we see that going, boys? Uh, I guess, um, Mitch, you were saying that uh, is it one of the guys in your Yeah, it's one of the guys in our draft who's, yeah. who's a, a massive Brumbies fan. Had him on the pot a few weeks ago. Joey Hoey um, <laughs> was quite upset that the that this news was revealed with the team. Most, most of the, the biggest fact was that um, this news was revealed as the team was announced and it wasn't sort of led, leaked previously. So there was no... Uh, build up to the fact that Noel Alessio wasn't playing this week and Valentini was out. Um, yeah. Everyone had expected, particularly with, I guess, the news this week that he signed on uh, Alessio for another uh, year until the end of 2024 in Australian rugby. Everyone's looking forward to seeing him play this week up against the Crusaders. To be scrapped yeah. at the last minute is is a big call. Um, and I can understand where he's coming from. He He's definitely down there in Canberra and he's feeling the, the atmosphere that's building for this game, trying to as the Brumbies are trying to do, fill up GIO and, and get a good crowd there. I think that was a $3.50 chips and a pie or something that they're doing. So throwing everything they possibly can at, at trying to get half of Canberra down to GIO for this game. Uh, but, yeah, those two players out really does change things a little bit, doesn't it? Tom Hooper at six will be interesting. You know, I think he's been very good in his opportunities at lock. I don't, I don't know how much that translate translates to number six. Um I would have rather just seen Frost on. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that he's not starting. Yeah, interesting one. If you're going to, like, Frost, they have played at six before as well. So if you're going to give someone a crack there, um, I mean, I would have actually thought that the most like-for-like replacement, I'm not sure if he's injured, but it would have been Ed Kennedy. Um, we've seen him come on a couple of times this season and he's kind of your 6'8", your, your big um, crash ball runner. Um, so interesting one. For, for me, that just really, really points to the fact that I think they're doubling down on set pace this week. So they realize that the loss of Noel Eliseo is going to perhaps limit their, their backline attack a little bit as much. So it's going to be a bit hard to unlock those outside backs. Um, and also, I mean, just the quality of the outside backs they're coming up against. But so they're really going to double down on driving malls um, and set pace tries. So I think they want to absolutely nail that line out with three locks in there um, and make sure and they'll be kicking for touch all game, which is what I would be doing. They're probably hoping it rains. You know what I mean? They're probably getting getting some planes out there and trying to make it rain. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think the forecast is rain as well. So that should ho- hopefully help them in that department as well. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great call, Craig. I reckon, I reckon you're spot on with that. That's it. So look, Joey, Joey Harry might have a hard time selling his 35 tickets he bought um, a few days ago. Um, <laughs> he was going to try and sell, but uh, no. Um, no, I, I hadn't thought about that. Actually, that's, that's a really good point you raised about... Um, the, the time of releasing that, you know, building all the hype up during the week and then oh, a bit of a deflation. But um, yeah. anyway, what can what can you do? Uh, still, still, still will be a good game, but uh, certainly I feel like the wind's been taken out of everyone's sails that uh, the Brumbies, Brumbies can do this. Um, but, uh, you know, prove us wrong. So, I mean, I'm happy if the Brumbies score five rolling mall tries and get it done. That's I don't care that in New Zealand all the talk earlier in the season had been about how all the rolling mall tries were ruining the game and, um, and whatever. No, let's, if you can beat the Crusaders, you do it any which way you can. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so. you, you take the, go back a few years. It was 
two or three years ago, the Brumbies were scoring all their points through rolling moors. So um, yeah. the, they've shown this year that they have the capability with their backline to score some flashy tries as well. And it's not all for Lafayette, just um, <laughs> driving over the line from the back of a, a rolling moor. So uh, it does hurt not having Noel Alessio there, but I don't think Rodney Iona is a horrible backup option. And I don't think that necessarily means that then they're, they're not even in, for, in contention for this game anymore. Probably, mm. as, you, as you did say, Kagi, it does change the, the game plan a little bit, but the Brumbies have, have become known as one of the best set-piece uh, teams in the Southern Hemisphere over the last few years. So um, the Crusaders will definitely be targeting that area, but um, I'm, I'm not too worried that they won't be able to withstand it. I think the one thing will be on the Crusaders' side, I think it was about two years ago that they had that giant streak of games that no one had scored a rolling mall try against them. Well, they, they just don't really ever concede them as well. So if they can nullify that Brumby's weapon, I think it's going to be really hard with Rod Iona subbing in and, and that making the back line a little bit more disjointed mm-hmm. to really score the points needed against a side that is as adventurous and potent as the Crusaders are. So. On the Crusaders, obviously, basically, you're just looking at the All Blacks team. Uh, but uh, Moody and Jaeger at least aren't playing this week for the front row. They've got George Bauer in that loose head, who once again is a, is an All Black now. Um, Fletcher Newell, the uh, young gun at uh, Lucy, and Cody Taylor back in the hookers. And then we mentioned Scotty Barrett back to partner Whitelock. So that's a formidable tight five. They've rested Tom Christie again this week, so I'll put him back to the bench, which means they've got Matera Black out of grace. Like that forward pack is just unbelievable. And and considering the Brumbies have built their dominance on the physicality of their forward pack against these other Kiwi sides, it's going to be a big ask to see how these guys can actually go up against what is arguably the best forward pack in the competition up against the Blues. So I, I think that'll be where the game's won and lost for the Brums. And it'll be interesting to see how the Crusaders fight back. Absolutely. You, you can't really choose a better pairing to, um, to try and defuse the, uh, the Brumbies rolling more than the All Blacks locks. You know what I mean? They're lucky to get Scott Barrett back this week. Sam Whitelock only came back about a week or two ago as well. So, I mean, they're pretty spoiled there, aren't they? Um, but, uh, I mean, and the back line, look, the back line is the All Blacks, essentially. They're just missing a halfback. That is literally it. But... Um, the only real selection change there is uh, George Bridge starting on the left wing, Lester Fyanganuku getting a rest via the bench. Um, you know, there was some 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 talk in, uh, I think in the New Zealand papers, whatever, saying that Bridge's great form in last last week and the week before has has warranted his selection over uh, Lester Fyanganuku. Um, Who, whereas, is that a quote or is that just someone saying that? Because that makes uh, no sense to me either. No, it didn't. I was just like, look, I mean, to me, it's clearly load balancing. I mean, don't get me wrong. George Bridge is an incredible player, but he hasn't really shown it. I don't know if he hasn't had the opportunity to show it in recent years or just hasn't shown it, but uh, pretty hard to, to take off. I mean, if I'm picking my two wingers, I'm picking Sever Reese and Lester Fyne Kanuka. Um, yeah. Is, do you feel the same, Mitch? Yeah, I've got um, I've got Sever Reese on, in my fantasy team. So so do I, um, Team Sever. I picked him up one of, the, one of the first rounds. So he's... He's done well for me this season, so I'm going to be starting him definitely. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that Will Jordan try where he read the play from the other side of the field, scooted through on the George Bridge chip and stole it and scored. Maybe they're giving George Bridge credit 
that he saw the space and it was a purposeful chip through four-wheel Jordan. In that case, George Bridge is a wizard. They actually they actually asked him about it in a post-game interview. I saw it. George Bridge said, no, no, I kicked that for myself. This bastard <laughs> comes out of nowhere. Like, okay. <laughs> was, was, oh, was great. But, um, that is mine. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, but look, I mean, the Crusaders, yeah, they obviously want to unlock that um, back line. But I think, yeah, Co- Cody Taylor and Scott Barrett back is can't really be understated how massive that is. Um, we haven't even seen the best of Cody Taylor yet really this year. But, um, I mean, yeah, this... Who are you tipping, Craig's? Yeah, you put me on the spot. Well, I'm a, look, I'm going to tip the Crusaders. Um, I just think, uh, look, they came out with vengeance last week. They've now put up, I think they're putting their strongest lineup that they've had so far this year, um, this week, uh, against the Brumbies. And whether it's in Canberra or not, whether it's in the rain or not, I think the Crusaders will get this done. If it's in the rain, which it's just forecasted, maybe Crusaders by, Crusaders by eight or something. It, it might be a close game, but, um, you know. You got be- no faith, mate. None at all. <laughs> I'm I'm going Crusaders by five. I think it'll be tight, but I just I just don't think the Brumbies can overcome uh, the losses that they had this week. And uh, I don't know if we even mentioned much of Valentini being out, did we? Just in the, the the top of the show, yeah. So, Mitch, what do you think? I'm going to go with the Brumbies. Uh, yes. I think I think that they've Dan McKell is a, a smart operator, and he's probably been <laughs> preparing the team, knowing that Noel Alessio is not going to be there and Valentini isn't going to be there this week either. I don't think that he would have... Oh, I, I expect they probably were hoping and and giving those players as much time as possible to be fit for this selection, particularly um, Noah. And it was probably only this afternoon that they really made the call when they had to release the team. But I, I expect he's got some little trick up his sleeve. And uh, there's been a lot of talk around Australian rugby closing the gap and a lot of faith is being put on the shoulders of the Brumbies. So we'll see if they can lift. It's being played in Canberra. The Crusaders have always talked about how it's hard to come down to Canberra to win. This is, what, fourth game on the trot for the Crusaders in Australia away from home. So maybe they're a little bit travel-weary as well. And um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Brumbies. I'll say the Brumbies by three. Love Excellent. We, we always need some positivity on this podcast, and you've stepped up and taken over from Nelson in the optimism Um Optimism boat. Blind but... optimism. <laughs> There's the bloke that backed Fijian and Drua over the Hurricanes. Um, guys, who do you think, if you had to pick a player out of these two sides in this matchup, who do you think is going to be a top fantasy scorer across the board? I'm just going to go with Cody Taylor. Going to pick the low-hanging fruit. Um, I think this is the game. I don't think that's low-hanging at all, dude. He's, he's up against probably Australia's best scrum and the best mall defence. How is he going to get all his points? I think he, they're gonna, the Crusaders are going to make a point of trying to right. outrolling maul the Brumbies. Okay, very good. Um, I'll give Mitch some time since we haven't asked him one of these yet. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Uh, I, I think the Crusaders have to chance their arm if they're going to start playing these bigger games, and generally that goes onto the sh- shoulders of Richie Molnar. So I think he's you. I was going to say Richie Mo, but I'll um, <laughs> I'll. If I'm talking personally, I, I'm wanting Sevier Reese to have a massive game. It is his 50th cap, so I'd love to say Sevier Reese as well, but I'll probably say Will Jordan. I just think he he's shown in the last few weeks that he's got the ability to read the game like no one else um, at the moment, and he will be doing everything he can to pop up wherever he can, get his hands on that ball and, and cross the white chalk. Very good. That's it. I mean, Will Jordan's never a bad name to, to put forward in uh, in one of these questions, is it? Um, but... Uh, yeah, all right. Now that'll be a good one, the Brums. Um, 
and hopefully, yeah, hopefully there is still a big crowd there. So, you know, atmosphere plays a part. But um, let's push on. The Saturday games, the first one, uh, this is going to be an epic game. Um, the Fijian Drua taking on Moana Pacifica, the Battle of the Pacific. Uh, I mean, honestly, the atmosphere alone would be worth the ad- price of admission to this game. I think that the crowd will go off. Um, been played at Bank West as well, like West, Western Sydney, just so many, such a big islander population out there. I really hope they show up in force and absolutely pack that stadium because it's an awesome stadium to watch footy as well. That, and they, they simply could not afford to have um, $3.50 meat pies and chips at this fixture because um, it, they'd go out of business. You know what I mean? They, it, would, it would bankrupt them. But um, no, it, <laughs> it, it will be an, uh, an awesome game and, um, and two games in Sydney we're treated mm-hmm. to. So um, I've actually asked Mitch yet if he's heading out to the, the Tars game this weekend, but, um, which I'm, I'm heading to the Tars game, but I was thinking of going to both games. Um, yeah, I'm, I bought my ticket this afternoon for the mm-hmm. Moana game, so I'll be out at both of them. Uh, I was out uh, for the Waratahs in Drua game earlier this year, which was fantastic to be to first uh, mm-hmm. game of Super Rugby for the Indrua with their fans. Unfortunately, wasn't a lot of opportunity for the fans to get involved in the game. I think they scored one try in that game and dropped a lot of balls. So when they did look like scoring, the crowd was absolutely electric for the five or 6,000 Fiji fans that were there. I imagine this game will have a bigger crowd um, we'll definitely have a lot more to cheer for a lot further on in the competition, a little bit more continuity. So very much looking forward to getting out there and, and, and savouring that atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if you've ever been to a Rugby Sevens game, you'll know that the Fijian supporters are by far the, the greatest and come out in droves and it's just the same type of party atmosphere the whole game. So, um, no, it'd be awesome. But, um, look, I'll take us through quickly uh, new injuries and returning in this one. I've only really got uh, Simeone Curavoli, uh, Curavoli, sorry, um, sprained his ankle, kind of like an awkward fall in a tackle last week. Um, so he's out. Uh, of course, we don't have the team lineups yet as of time of reporting, Wednesday night for the uh, Drua or Moana Pacifica. But um, returning this week, we should see uh, Cap- Drua captain Nemani Nagusa return uh, his four-week uh, red card ban for a um, shoulder-to-the-head tackle is up. Uh, and you'd imagine that uh, they'd be pretty keen to get the captain straight back in there. Um, That's felt like a season, hasn't it? That was yeah. the Waratahs game that he got that card. It was. That, that felt like six weeks or eight weeks ago now. So it, long. It really did. Uh, I, th- I actually picked him up a couple a week or two ago and, and the fantasy thinking he was back next week. But um, no, this, now the time's officially up. So hopefully he's straight back in. And um, and that'll pose an interesting one, I think. Um, so you know, the, the white shark, Harry's favourite, Melly Darren Alangi, he's um, been captaining the side uh, the last couple of weeks in Nagusa's absence. Um, do they, I mean, it could be a good opportunity to give him a rest because he's been playing, you know, every minute it feels like. Um, but at the same point, you know, they'll want to, I think, roll out their, their best lineup uh, this week in for this game. Um, and I would think their best back row probably looks like Darren Alangi, maybe... Salawa and uh, Nagusa for a really good balanced back row. So do we see, I mean, it's always hard to know with resting and rotation, but um, would we, if you had to pick your, your back row, would you be putting in Darren Alangi and Nagusa, um, Harry? Um, Matt, I'm just looking at, uh, Mitch has just refreshed the page that we have our team list on and I've just sent the team list through. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, I was just cheeky going to say, I've got the, yeah. I've got the team list in front of me and ask me that question and I'll, I'll get it right uh, and not tell you. But... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> let's just predict, Mitch. What do you predict the Fijian and Drew are going to do this week? Oh, I've already read it, so. No, no, no. I want you to read it out and pretend it's your thoughts. Um, okay, <laughs> so we have, uh, I'm going to butcher these names. You guys are the 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 champions of pronunciation. Uh, but Meli Deralungi um, is captain, so we've still got Namani Nagusa coming back but on the bench this week. Uh, Koto and uh, Kiri, Kiri Davita in the back row. Tariki and Devetta, yeah, still at eight. Is that Dolokoro the hooker playing open side? Yeah. Uh, Mesa, Mesulami Dolokoto. That, that, is, that is the hooker. So have they have they stuffed <laughs> up the lineups again like they did last week on rugby.com.au? They no, had some. Tom is a hooker as well, isn't he? he, I reckon he is. They've just made, they just do what they want. They're Fijian seven players. They can play anywhere. Dolokoro the hooker is playing at open side flying guard and will be my first pick of fantasy football this week. Because he gets double points for tackles. Yeah, absolutely he would. Um, well, I don't know. I'm just saying this because last week they made an absolute mess of it as well and they just missed a player from the back line and I can't remember who they named at 10, but it was They like... just missed months. They just missed Caleb months. That's oh, all. That they they had the rest of it. Right, so, well, there you go. Um, Frank Lamani, Teddy Teller back at 9 and 10, Hambossi and Ratave on the wing. Craggs, you get exactly what oh, you wanted. And Kidioni Talinga as well uh, at fullback. So I, I think that's their best outside back combination. They've got Revovo and well, Vodder at inside outside center. Man, this is like, this, this is, is their, their best, best back, back line. line by country mile. Yeah. We've been waiting to see this team for 12 weeks, 13 weeks. Absolutely. And um, and oh, likewise, we've got the Pacifica lineup as well. Um, how good is that? But um, no, well, I think you're right. That, that looks like the best, probably the best Drua backline we've, we've seen. Um, and the forward pack, I mean, I was saying, so just going back to some of my comments that I'd like to see, um, Ululia Kepa, Adolokoto and Tawaki, I think has been their best front row. But um, they've gone with Hated. You're going to see them, just not in that position. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, and Manasa Solo, the very experienced uh, old mate at tight head. But um, no, that's exciting. Um, they've, they've persisted with Cricket Devetta, the um, enormous. The Ricky and Devetta. Yeah, the faster you say it and just move on with your life, the better. I, I actually loved that Mitch, <laughs> he threw me in there with um, complimenting that uh, we were generally good with the names because no, I'm not, but uh, the boys do. He, it, he generally tries to not listen when you're uh, when you're on the pod. I think that's all I've learned. <laughs> that's it. Um, but no, all right. So the Drua, I think. Look, I mean, first and foremost for this game, um, it's going to be an incredibly physical battle. Um, I still think to in this season so far, probably my favourite game was one of the first couple of Moana Pacifica games where they came out. I can't remember if it was the Crusaders or not, but they came out and just absolutely belted the other team for 80 minutes um, in a, they ended up losing, but in a quite a low scoring game. And uh, I think it was the first, it was the first home game they had at Mount Smart stadium. Um, so I could look up which game this was, but uh, they had a was very limited. I think it yeah, was, was the Canes. You're right. They had very limited cr- crowd numbers. They were still only allowed like 5,000 or like, sorry, a thousand people or something in the yeah. stadium. But the amount of just like the kills and the, the yeah. going absolutely off was Insane. And it's like the t- whole team just fed off it. Like so, so this game is going to be physicality to begin with. You got to win that battle, and then the second part of it is going to be discipline. Um, it's going to be not getting too carried away, particularly in the contest in the breakdown. Um, and just whichever team can win the battle up front and stay disciplined is going to come away winning this game. 
Um, let, let, let's have a look at some of the changes um, in the team as well um, for Pacifica. So I think that they're rolling out a pretty similar type five, except Alex McRobbie is, is slotting in there at lock. Um, you got Siani Tupolotu back as well. And then they've got Fanaki and Henry Timus, Timus Towers, who I think are probably their best seven and eight combination at the moment. So I really like the back row from them. I think they're really rolling out their A, a side here as well. Um, you got Anari McClutchy. So interesting to see that Lele Afano has been rested for this one. I guess that's that's one big change there. Danny mm. Tawala slots back in at 12 with Kata outside of him. So completely new center pairing. Tabatava Nawai, Fanga Anuku staying on the wings and William Havili uh, restored to fullback as well. So I think they get that better kicking game with Havili there as well. So it's a that's a very good side for me. I, I think they um they are really throwing the vast majority of their all their weaponry at this game as well. Um, it's going to be be a very close game, I think, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if uh, this is going a little bit off track, but if if I have one regret from this fantasy season, it was uh, not picking up Timothy Tavatavanawai because um, I have loved watching him play um, yeah. this season and. Uh, it's been hard when he's not in your fantasy team, but he has been unbelievable. Just a tackle bus machine. Kind of like Naira Voro, but on steroids um, is what it feels <laughs> like. So, um, yeah. What, so, Mitch, what do you make of um, Lincoln McClatchy at 10? I mean, I was, before getting the lineups, I, I thought if they're going to, you know, I've been loving watching Lily Afano, who's been awesome, but I would really like to see McClatchy getting injected in around the 50 to 60 minute mark to kind of try and up the tempo and change the attack a little bit. But um, what do you make of him starting and what he's going to bring? Yeah, I think this is the opportunity that they've seen. Uh, they're probably coming up against the team in the competition. Well, it, it is the team in the competition that's going to be most equal in terms of their level and their level of development so far. So this is probably the best chance for them to try some of the combinations and, and give the, some of their older players like Lilia Fano a bit of a rest and, and, and trial, bringing in the players like McClutchy to see how they go and, and give them the, the time that, you know, we've, we've always talked at other super rugby teams don't always have the time to blood the new guys and give them the time at, at this level. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, it, it's also handy to have Christian Liliofano on the bench that if it does sort of all implode a little bit, you can just make that substitution and bring him on a little bit earlier than you were hoping for. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see the, the two styles of play that, that come up against each other in this game. So... In some ways, you might expect Indrua to play a, a seven-style game and to throw the ball around a lot, but I expect the Pacifica team is going to probably try and keep it in tight and uh, rely more on their set piece. And they've got some really big players. Uh, Sukopi Kepu is great at the set piece. Uh, Henry Time Stowers, we've seen, has just been absolutely phenomenal this year. So if they can slow the game down a little bit and, and not allow the Indrua players to, to run it wide and get those crazy offloads that we've seen that they're capable of doing... Um, mm-hmm they might be able to, to keep in the game a bit. So it'd be interesting to see how they, these two different styles go up against each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harry, do you have any uh, any points to add on this matchup? Yeah, my only other one is I want to see Ambossi running around Tima Fanga <laughs> Anuku. I just don't think that team has got anywhere near the pace to get near. I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone does. But uh, in particular, having a big winger opposite Ambossi, like, I think there's a big opportunity there. You might see a few more big line breaks. I'm waiting for him to do the like rugby sevens thing where he's like standing in line with the inside center and then just runs sideways and still beats the winger for pace. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him this week. 
that's it. I mean, if, if you could get excited about, a, you know, any, any of these mashups, um, I mean, any, any of these games this week in terms of matchups for the wingers, it would be this game. I mean, Ritave up against Tavatava Nawai, two just absolute freak powerhouses. That is mouthwatering for me. But um, no, it's going to be a good one. All right, well, let's, I think I'm going to find this one particularly hard tip. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to go last again, just uh, temper, temper some expectations. So I'll throw Harry under the bus. Look, I mean, I won't, won't be too cruel to Mitch. Harry, how do you see this one going? Uh, well, mate, I, I think this... Both these teams are up there with their strongest, but I think there's a lot more change in the Pacifica backline. Like, I don't think that this backline has really had a whole lot of time together to develop. So I'm going with the Andrua for the win uh, by five points. Andrua by five? All right. Uh, yeah. Mitch, what are you making? I'm going to go with Pacifica on this one. Um, I'll go with five points as well. I guess if we just look at last week's performances, the Andrua got absolutely pantsed by the Hurricanes, 67 to five and everything that could go wrong in that game did go wrong. Whereas Pacifica put in a pretty good performance and were leading for a lot of the, the Waratahs game and looked like they were up for it. Uh, in some ways seemed like they wanted the win more than the Waratahs at times. So they're definitely going to be up for this one. And if they can get the, and I don't know if they've actually done this, but if they haven't named created some kind of shield or trophy or some Pacifica cup, oh, yeah. that needs to be created for this fixture. So every year that they're, they're playing for something, but the first Pacifica team out of the Indrua or Moana that can get the victories has massive bragging rights and creates a lot of history and a lot of uh, rivalry going forward. So I think Moana will definitely be up for it. Love it. That, that's it. Of getting your name on the on the trophy first is is a huge achievement. Um, I think Nelson and our fantasy group got on the wooden spoon first, um, even though uh, you know might have, we we don't add retrospectively, but. Um, that was when Nelson lost three in a First, row. second, so. and third, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> but um, no, that's good. It's a good shout. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna also back Mitch. I'm gonna go with the Pacifica as well. I just think that um, they've looked really strong. They've looked the stronger of the two sides, I think, throughout. Um, whilst they have changed their lineup a lot, um, I think their set piece is going to be a little bit better. Um, and and also. I'm kind of going for them you know, for a more selfish reason in that um, I need my I need them to do well for my fantasy players to score well. Um, whereas <laughs> I do Moana Pacifica. I was going to say I do have Ritave, but he scores well in every game, so I'm not worried about him. But uh, Lincoln McClatchy, I might even play Solomon Carter as well. So um, we'll see. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, um, great. And, Let's move on. and uh, your picks, Mitch. Who's going to top score right. this fantasy? Ooh, top score. I'm going to go with. I'll go with Habosi. Very good. I think we're all picking wingers here, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to no, be. I'm going with Dolacotto. You're going Dolacotto. Yeah, mate. He's oh, well, a hooker playing open side flanker. You've made this hard for me now because I assumed you were going to take Tava Tava Nawai so I could just pick Ritabe. But um, <laughs> if that's not the case, look, I'll go with Tava Tava Nawai. I just can't see him not absolutely shredding this game up. So, um, yeah. That yeah fair be. enough. But. Um, Blues, awesome. Reds, fellas. Blues, Blues, Reds. The yeah, only injuries we have here, actually, the, the Reds, Reds have just gotten down to the D team now. Uh, Harry Wilson and Fraser McWright both out again this week. You got Harry Wilson with a concussion, Fraser McWright with a non-COVID-related in, uh, illness. Um, coming back, Bodie Barrett coming back into the side after his rest last week. Um, and that's about... It. There's not a lot of positive news there for the Reds. I think Hunter Paisami 
is back this week. I think did he missed last week with a with an injury. James O'Connor well. and Hunter Baisami back this week. So yeah. James O'Connor yes. and Hunter Baisami, yeah, he he he, yep. he didn't play last week because uh, minor shoulder um grievance or something. So yes. Mm. Yeah so two two bigs in, in for the uh the Reds back line. Um the the front row is what worries me. They've moved Albert Anna, who is obviously by trade a hooker but can play across the front row back to hooker now this week. Um, and then you've got Dane Zander and Feo Fadawika. I, I just think that's a, it's just not a stronger front row. And I think they're going to do it really tough against the Blues, who have a phenomenal front row. They've got Hodgman Eklund, Tuunga Fasi starting. And then you've still got Nepo Laulala on the bench as well. I mean, yeah, Jordan Laverkenner, maybe not as intimidating on the bench, but you only need one. If you've got Nepo Laulala, he's probably one of the best physical specimens in the game. So, I think that's a big worry considering what a weapon that is normally for the Reds at full strength. And then they've benched Lucan Salakai Loto. Uh, Ryan Smith, Angus Blythe get another chance to play together. Obviously, considering he's only just back in the side, I suspect it's not workload and that they're just not happy with what he's bringing to the side. I think he was pretty poor in D last week. So I think that's that's massive. And the one positive for the Blues is they continue just to rotate their locks around. they got Tucker and Robinson um romano back on the bench as well so um maybe not their most strong position yep um i think look i mean this is pretty close to full strength blue side isn't it um i mean if you similar to the crusaders you look at that back line and um i mean it almost could be an all blacks back line uh <laughs> you know the, the second all blacks back line of course um so that's um pretty scary the change of Stephen perifetta Pair of franchise, sorry, uh, almost got that wrong. Um, into fullback, uh, I mean, he's he's just been awesome throughout this whole season. Whether he's been playing at ten or fullback, Harry and I could do a whole podcast on pair of franchise. I mean, he's, he's not even in either of our fantasy sides now, and mm. we both could still go on about him forever. But um, <laughs> excited to see that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, I won't carry on what Harry just said, but up front, it's going to be pretty hard to match that team. And you haven't even talked about the back row yet, Harry. Of uh, literally. The All Blacks and Kira Dalton, Pabali, and Hoskins at two-two. I mean, to lose Fraser McRide and Harry Wilson, um, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I'm excited to see Angus Scott Young get another opportunity, albeit in a seven jersey, because I think he's been really underutilized this season for the Reds. So that's great. And then Siruuru shifting to the eight. Hopefully, that gives him the freedom to start running again, because I don't think he's been quite back to his best since coming back from his injury. Connor Best gets another start. I think you know he's he's a reasonable player, but very young. What about the backs, Mitch? Do you think these ins with uh, the likes of Paisami O'Connor has enough to trouble the the Blues? Or there's a lot of action in this Blues backline as well. Yeah, it just it's the story of the uh, the Queensland Red season this year that they just can't seem to catch a break. They they have a, a they get their big hitters back in James O'Connor and uh, Hunter Paisami, and then they lose their two best influence players in the Ford pack with. Uh, will uh, mean um, Harry Wilson and Fraser McWright not playing. So you look at the back line for the Reds this week and it doesn't look too bad. It looks pretty good having James O'Connor back with Hunter Baisami in the centres. But then their forward pack, it, I, just, I really struggle to see how this team is going to get any ascendancy at scrum time against the, as we said, the, the uh, All Blacks front row that's, that's being named against them. So as much ball and... and space that the backs can have if they can't win their possession back from scrum time it's just going to be all one-way traffic against them this week um i think having james o'connor back does 
settle that back, di- back line down a little bit. That's what they've really missed in the last few weeks, having a, a real leader in that back line to be able to, to muster the troops around a little bit and slow them down and uh, refocus when things are starting to go against them. Uh, hopefully they can unlock the player like Suliasi Munavalu that we haven't seen really been utilised as well in the last few weeks since he's come back from injury. So getting him, getting James O'Connor back, hopefully will allow him to be involved a little bit more in the game. But um, yeah, I, I really do think that the Reds are going to be really up against it. And every time it comes to set piece, they're just going to be out-muscled and, and pushed back even on their own ball. And if they can't get their own ball and get that possession back, then they're just going to get absolutely wiped away by this blue side. I'm, as you're going through the back line, I'm trying to work out where the Reds can attack this game. I don't honestly see anywhere. I feel like set piece, they're weaker. Back row and, and their ability to slow down their ball, they're weaker. The back line from the Blues is Rolls-Royce. Like I, yeah, Although it's a better back line I don't, I don't, for the Reds, I don't see how they can compete there. And they just don't have the size either. I don't understand. I, I can't find a way. Craig, have you got any idea? I, I can't see how they could possibly win. If they speed it up, they get blown away. And if they slow it down, they get blown away. <laughs> well, look, we've just spent uh, a good while frothing on the um, outside back matchups in the Drew Pacifica game. And similarly here, there's some pretty tantalizing ones in um, Caleb Clark versus the second most expensive hamstrings in Australia, uh, Vunavalu, <laughs> um, behind uh, Taniela Tupo, of course. Um, I mean, look, that, you know, if, if, if you get up for the big games, if you're a, if you're a rockstar player and you're coming up and your, your matchup for the weekend is a, is a headline, then you've got to get up for those big games. So um, him and Jordi Pataya and Mark Talea, that, those are two exciting matchups. Um, and, you know, either of them can, can win them on the day as far as I'm concerned, but it's about who, who's getting the ball, who's going to get better service and get the ball delivered out to them. Right. So um, I think you're right. I think they're going to, Tate's going to really struggle if he can't get any front front football. Um, but I think the key matchup here again is going to be uh, it's not it's not Lucas Ripley this week, but it's um, it's Josh Fluke. Josh Fluke up against Rico Iwani. So again, we talk about how important a thirteen jersey is in defending. Um, that's really not only the key to defending, but also you know the link to getting it out to Vunavalu and, and the wingers and whatever. So. If Fluke can have, uh, you know, an absolutely outstanding game, which he's capable of, um, it's, you know, it could be a, a, a good matchup in the in the backs. But th- that's really where they've got to get the ball to, out to the backs and have a crack because you're right, they're not going to win up front. Um, I, I, I can I tell you more. that uh, Fluke is tackling at 89% for the year. He's 34 from his 38 attempts. So he's definitely no slouch when it comes to defence and he's mm. a very smart footballer as well. So... I hope you're right. That 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 gives them something to kind of hinge on. That's it. I, I mean, mean if there's it's... a game that they're gonna get together and get up for and click. This is it. Their season's nearly is essentially on the line now. If they um, if they lose this, they go next week. I think they play. Um, is it the Crusaders? Uh, is it Crusaders next week, or do they play Crusade, Crusaders last? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, they've got it, but they've got some travel up ahead of them, and they've they've got their. Got some players to come back this this week and, and in the next few weeks as well. But when you look at the trajectory of the two sides, we've got the Blues who are sitting comfortably on top of the competition and have going from strength to strength at the moment and really want to secure that first place against a Reds team who was chatted up as the team of the Australian Conference moving into this Trans-Tasman crossover. We've really underperformed so far and had some pretty hard losses in the last few weeks. Key players out, uh, Young guys coming in, getting their first shot at this level. 
not really up to scratch um, performances across the board from their players. The the heads are starting to drip to drop. The the they're getting inside their own heads a bit. Hopefully, having James O'Connor back does help things in terms of just mustering the troops and getting them to to refocus on their tasks and get back into the contest. But it, it's a big big ask for this young team to really put it against the the Blues this week. What are you That's What it. are you tipping, Mitch? Well, oh, yeah, while you're on a roll there. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Blues by 15. Savage. Um, Harry, I'll let you go last. Uh, I, now now reflecting upon that, um, probably going to go something similar, actually. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> Blues by, uh, look, I'll go less. Blues by 13. I've got Blues by 18. Okay. <laughs> and uh, top scorer for the week, it's hard to go past any Blues back. Yeah. No, actually, any Blues forward, I take it back. They're just going to run over the top of them. It's going to be the Akira Yuane show. Oh, how dare you take my player? Um, you can yeah, take mine if you want. All right, I'll go Hoskins at 2-2 then. So we're both happy then. Uh, Mitch, what about you? I'll go Rico Yuani. Oh, I love it. Two Yuani's names. Back. Perfect boys. That's what we want to hear. Um, no, that should be good. All right, well, let's push on um, to the, the biggest matchup of the round, as we alluded to before, the Tars and Hurricanes at the mighty Leichhardt Oval, the ground of grounds, um, hoping to build the hill. Yeah, the fortress, the new fortress. Um, and uh, hopefully they're doing $3.50 pies and chips, please. Um, okay. but, um, no, um, Knowing the Waratahs, it'll be $45.50 <laughs> pies and chips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and if they, you, if you uh, get it with a mid-strength beer, it's only 100 so. Yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um but yeah, no, this this should be good. Look, we're hoping for, I guess, an even bigger crowd. Um, that Tars Crusaders game was was actually awesome. Like it was one of one of the better uh, Waratahs games that I've been to in recent years in terms of just crowd numbers, atmosphere, uh, and really, I think making the difference. Being that sixteenth man, um, I mean, I lost my voice within about the first twenty minutes. Um, I'm surprised Mitch actually, who's standing next to me, can still hear um, because uh, I was just shouting my head off next to him. The Sorry, can time. you speak off? I can't quite hear. <laughs> still, um, still got the ringing. <laughs> but um, no, anyway, I, like off the back of that Crusaders win, the Waratahs, a couple of wins on the trot, surely you know it really fills out. And uh, the shit show, which is trying to park anywhere in Leichhardt, is even worse this week. So um, tip, my tip would be to get there early, but. Uh, no, this game, um, new one, like new injuries to report, uh, none, no, none injuries uh, from the Tars. Um, I put Ruben Love in there as a question mark, but that's meant to be for returning, I guess. So returning players, Dave Parecki, uh, he's back. Did he play last week or am I just imagining? No, he, he no. didn't play. He didn't. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he did. They had him did and he? Horton on the bench, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I, I know he didn't play the Crusaders game. That was Bailanu. We were loving Bailanu. Um but I can't remember if Parecki played last week or not. Anyway, uh, he's playing this week. Um, You're both the, named. And for the the Hurricanes, we have um, just a few, you know, few bums returning from from some rest weeks. We've got Artie Sevilla, Julian Sevilla, Jordy Barrett. Um, and is that oh, yeah, line, I, I don't think that lineup's up yet, is it? Or is that, yeah, it is. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. up as well. Oh, awesome. Okay. How oh, good. So one player that's not playing this week, which is a massive out for the Waratahs. I don't know if it counts as technically an injury or not, but Michael Hooper... Still has concussion symptoms, so he's not playing this week. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, the heart and soul of Australian rugby, even with as good as uh, Detective Hooper, aka Charlie Gamble, um, is going, <laughs> uh, um, it's uh, still a big loss for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
the Hurricanes, I'm just kind of reading the lineup as we're as, I, as yes. we're talking here. So the, the big talking points for them, really, as you said, Artie Sevilla back. Um, James Blackwell slotting in at lock for Isaiah Walker Leaware, who drops back to the bench. You got TJ Perinara um, sitting this game out of the 23. I'm assuming for a uh, rest week from the All Blacks instructions, even though he wasn't around last year. Um, you got Jamie Booth starting with Cam Roygaard on the bench and then you got Geordie Barrett being used in the inside center position again which obviously as you mentioned Julian Sevilla but it obviously means Morby gets another run at 15 and Balen Sullivan stays in the outside jersey so I think Billy Proctor hard done by after a good game last week shifts back to the bench as well yeah huge and and no Peter among Jensen I don't think he's injured so he's just he is um, yeah he is injured sorry okay yeah correct uh yeah interesting one here I mean also, Aiden Morgan, they've elected for at 10 um, over. So Ruben Love, I guess, not back. And Jackson Garden Batcher, the bench again, which, I mean, not I'm really worried. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but uh, yeah. How do you see this one going, Mitch, now that we've, we've gone through the lineups? Uh, I'm going to go with the Warriors, Haas. Um, <laughs> I think they're on a bit of a roll this season. Uh, what is this? Three, three on the trot, if you take away the. Uh, the loss against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. They're, um, I mean, they're five from six if, if we take that Chiefs away. So definitely building momentum into the second half of the year. Darren Coleman has this team absolutely fizzing when it comes to home games. He's instilled in the players how much it means to play in front of your home crowd and, and the support that they're starting to get from the rugby community in New South Wales. We saw last week that uh, the or last home game against Crusaders that the crowd really got into it and help lift the players up once they scored that first try. The crowd were definitely in it. They're, they've been saying all week this week, feel the hill. So it's something they've been working on of trying to get that support there, trying to feel up like Hutt Oval for this game. If they can win this week, they go into fourth place on the ladder, which secures them a home quarterfinal should they be able to finish the competition in that fourth place. So everything to play for for the Waratahs. Um, I, I just think that they're going to be up for it. It's a, it is, it is a, it does hurt to not have Michael Hooper there, but um, Charlie Gamble is is as good a player um, that I would hope for as a replacement for him at seven. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that the Waratahs will put in a good performance, um, and I'm going to say that they'll scrape a, a victory by five points. And how about the depth coming off the bench with Paddy Ryan and Ted Flanagan? Straight off the plane from Japan. Obviously, they've just finished their season, so they should be match fit. But no need to actually learn the systems with a new coach. Just impact immediately. I love the trust that he has in them. I'm yeah, surprised. Look, I was hoping I was hoping that we could get through without uh, mentioning Teddy Flanagan. But um, I mean, Paddy Ryan. I'm excited to see him have a crack again. Uh, it, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I agree with I, I agree with Mitch in that uh, I've. Put my firmly put my blue covered glasses on, and uh, I'm going to back the Tars this week. Um, but I just think that the Tars have a very settled uh lineup at the moment. And um, if you look at it, there's no one we're really missing, like as in um, now I've heard that actually someone on the Pick and Drive podcast is a big fan of Alex Newsom. I mean, we could replace him with anyone, insert any other player here, but um, I think I could I could um go as well at fullback, yeah, good, having yeah, right. never so- played there before in my life. So it's not Mitch. Excellent. Um, no, that's I. I would back any of us to uh, to play there. But um, you know what? It is. What we it is. are we are missing Harry Johnson Holmes and and Michael Hooper. So yeah, <laughs> no. Look, there's two. No, there's two. But I mean, apart from that, like 
fairly fairly settled. So Will Harrison as well. Yep. Yeah. Apart no, from okay. that. Apart from that. James right, Rand. Just keep, just keep naming players and yeah. make me look worse, Matt. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, but in this, like, where do I see the Tars? Um, I, I think the Tars can can win the battle up front. Like, set piece, uh, I think they'll be able to match them pretty well, to be honest. And um, and what the Tars have been doing really, really well is actually just dominating the physicality uh, in and around the breakdown. So I think that they'll, you know, that's the, the plan that's been working for them so far. This will be a bigger test than last week, um, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to they're going to have to really hit the ground running though. If the Hurricanes kind of start to get any momentum or get a bit of a sniff, get a can't afford to have any intercept tries or anything like that um, early because the Hurricanes will run away with it once they get on a bit of a roll. So, mm. Harry, did you have any any I guess final thoughts on uh, on this and uh, and then your tip? Yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be as big a challenge or very close to as big a challenge as what the game against the Crusaders were. I, I don't think we can understate how good a Hurricanes team is when they're fizzing like they are. They showed what they were all about last week. They can score some serious points against probably any team on their day. Artie Sevilla being back is just such a massive in. I think he's probably the one for me that just changes this entire game from what they had on the on the park last week. And I don't think anyone wins the physicality battle against Hardy Sevilla. So I guess the Waratahs have to try and beat the other 14 for physicality because they're not beating him. Um, I, I think because of that alone, I, I just can't see them getting up. It's, I've been loving the bandwagon and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to back Hurricanes in this one by, I think, maybe... Oh, mate, get off the pod, mate. Three points. I'm gonna, it's going to be tight. The, the Tars are going to do themselves proud, but I think the Canes are going to get it done by three. What I'm really looking forward to seeing this weekend, looking at the team that Darren Commons named, particularly the reserves and the impact that he wants to bring off this bench, take away the names, maybe Paddy Ryan and, and Tetra Faulkner. Outside of them, these all the players he's named have impact um, in terms of running games. So we've got Mahi Vailanu at hooker, Ned Hannigan, Langy Gleeson, Jack Grant, Ben Donaldson and Tristan, O'Reilly, and Tristan Riley. All of those players uh, have a very good, open, fast running game. So I think what Darren Commons is definitely looking for is impact off the bench, but he's not necessarily focusing on a tight, forward-dominated game plan this week. Um, I think he's going to try and keep it loose and, and throw the ball around. He did say that that was the plan for the season for the Waratahs this year in the, in the preseason when he got with the team. They're a younger team. They're a mobile team. They can keep the ball movement going. They can really start to outpace some of these bigger and slower teams. So really looking forward to seeing how the impact can come off the bench this week. It's probably one of the areas that the Waratahs haven't been as good at in, in earlier uh, rounds this year, having that impact. So uh, some of the players like Paddy Ryan, Ned Hannigan, massive experience coming back into this team and really excited to see how they uh, lift the players around them. Yep, and sorry, I realised I didn't give my tip. I'll go Tars by three, uh, a close one. And um, and my final concluding remark is I think it'd be a really interesting matchup for uh, Mark Nwanganidawase up against Salisi Rayasi. I think this will be a enormous test for him. Uh, Harry's face is immediately uh, grimacing. Um, How good prospect. has his defence gotten in, in one year? Jesus. Yes, but um, you know that that matchup's going to go a long way. Mate, if he can stop Ray Arce, you pick him for the Wallabies, don't you? No one needs to watch him. Surely. If he misses the tackle, it's all right. We've got Newsom to cover. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. On that note, then you've convinced me, Kagi. I'm going to go first. I'm saying Ray Arce for the biggest score of the week. <laughs> 
Um, true. Well, I guess I guess you know if they break the line, there's nothing stopping them at the end, as you've just alluded to. There's only Newsom. So um, uh, you've chosen Rousey. Look, I will. Uh, I'm just looking at the back line lineup now for the Hurricanes. Uh, look, I'm just going to pick Julian Severe then. I'm going to go low hanging fruit the other wing. He'll have a ripper. I'll go with uh, Dylan Peach. He's oh. he's been in some big performances the last few weeks. Hundred points two weeks ago against against the Crusaders. Fifty points last week. So. If he can keep up that finishing prowess that he's got, I think we're in for a big score this week. I think we need to just do a little uh, footnote there, though, that he is in your fantasy footy team, so there may be some manager bias. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> I'm going to quickly change mine to a sufferer. Um, all right. Now, with that, let's, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's push on to the final game of round 13, uh, which is going to be a very, very close game. And by that, I mean... Um, the Chiefs by 100, the Chiefs taking on the <laughs> Melbourne Rebels uh, in Canberra. So uh, we do, again, have lineups for in that. Melbourne. So fantastic. We've got all our lineups now. Um, and look quickly in this one, no new injuries uh, to report from either side, but uh, returning Rebels, Jordan Walesi returning. Um, so, and he's straight back into the starting lineup. Uh, and for the Chefs, we have uh, Brad Weber, Josh Uwani, both straight into the starting lineup. And uh, no, we didn't have Shooter Stevenson come back, but um, it's a pretty threatening looking Chiefs side, I must say. Um, particularly, you know, <laughs> bringing back Brad Weber and Josh Uwani to lead that kind of attacking backline. Uh, it's it's not looking good, Rebels. That's all I got to say for this one. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, do you want to take us through the Rebels. Well, I was going to say there's a few changes here that surprise me. Well, not one that doesn't surprise me is Glenn Vihu coming back onto the left wing. I thought that surely they were just rotating him because he's been an excitement machine for the Rebels. Mm-hmm. Stacey Ely, Andrew Kellaway partnering up in centres as well. I think they've gone for some stability there to try and plug the leaky ship that was the Lucas Ripley defence. <laughs> still, getting, still getting more swipes in. Love it. Uh, um, and Michael Wells, El Capitan, back at six um, as well. So they, they stopped the uh, the dual open side flanker tactic with Hardwick slotting back to the bench. Um, so Was a, he a, injured a, last week? Hardwick? Uh, no. Um, oh, Wells. Wells. I don't, Wells? They, they said nothing. They gave us absolutely no info about it, so we're not sure. Mm. But I, I could tell him just giving him a rest. He had, he had a pretty big, tough start to the year and he played 80 minutes every week, so it was probably yeah. just a rest week. On the uh, on the Chiefs side of things, you've got um, Aiden Ross. I don't know. He did start last week, but you got Samuel Penny Finau finally gets a start at six. Natua Akoi gets a start at five as well. Um, you got Peter Gussowakula being pushed back to the bench with that change in the back row, but he's wearing essentially the lock jersey. They've got Mitch Brown in the reserve back row position, despite the fact that he often plays lock for them. So I don't know if that's uh, a trick and some mind games or if Mitch Brown is going to play a bit of six this week. Um, and then you've got, as you said, Josh Wane and uh, Brad Weber back at nine and 10, but Paul Hippie as well at outside centre. And I've just given Nankabel a complete rest from the 23. And then they've got Nana Saturo, Narawa, and Trask as the outside back. So uh, no Jonah Lowe as well. They've flipped him. Yeah, huge. I mean, look, I've I love uh, I've always been a big fan of Narawa, so very keen to see him take a stab. I have been I've never really been a fan of Caleb Trask at fifteen. I think he was an all right ten, but I just I know what they're going for with a double playmaking role. But um, 
you know, I mean, if, if we just look at the Chiefs, uh, the the winning of the Chiefs over the last couple of years with Damian McKenzie at the back, uh, they've always had some absolute attacking weapon in the 15 jersey. Don't love the idea of having a second 10 back there. Um, in saying that, I realise Damian McKenzie has also played 10, but, I mean, he's far from a 10. Let's be honest. He's the most potent attacking weapon. I don't know if you guys have been watching his highlights in uh, top league over in Japan, but... Um, Mate, if you, th- if you thought his Super Rugby highlights were crazy, he, it's insane what he's doing over there. But, um, yeah, uh, no, look, I think, if anything, um, this is could be even their strongest back line that they've named. Um, yes, boy, he'd be out for Nankavell, but, like, I don't know. I'm loving this back line. What do you think, Mitch? I'm just looking at this Rebels team, and I just, after the performance last week, I just don't know where they can change things to actually be competitive this week. It's Last week was just so um, disheartening for a lot of the players, and it was just like no defensive structure for a lot of that game. Players falling off tackles and just being out of position. Not even There was multiple times where players didn't even look to be making an effort to try and get uh, across and cover defense. So... Uh, definitely a mind shift thing will need to happen this week. They are playing at home, so uh, it is a Sunday game this week. So they have had the eight-day turnaround playing Friday last week. So maybe it's be that a big helps. Ask for the two fans to get them up, though. <laughs> two fans and and one of them's uh, Reese Hodges' mum. So um, <laughs> it, it's it is it is a big ask. Uh, they are at home, so they maybe playing at home and being able to go home to their own beds after the game helps a little bit. But yeah, geez, I just I don't see how they're going to be able to stop a Chiefs machine that is humming at the moment like this outfit is. Yeah, the uh, the dual playmakers worries me uh, if I'm a Rebels supporter because the Rebels uh, defense is so patchy and it just means that they're going to be able to play with width to strike power of attending Nanasaturo, Narawa, and probably Quintapaya as well in the same breadth. Like, that's some real artillery that they're incredibly hard to stop one-on-one. And I, th- I can just see Ioane just taking the ball to the line and just throwing long cutouts, Trask being able to do the same. Like, this is a very worrying side for me. And uh, w- once again, just like the Reds game, I don't really see how the Rebels can compete here. Um, at least the forward pack for the Rebels is, is pretty intact at the moment. Like there, There's really not a lot of players miss, missing in there for me. Josh Hill is obviously pretty young. They, I, I think they wish they had uh, Trevor Hosea back, who he was meant to be back this week or last week, so disappointing that he's not in the side. But um, really the Rebels are just going to have to try and muscle up and, and manhandle the Chiefs. And I think that the Chiefs forward pack will be absolutely reeling after the, the spanking they were given by the Brumbies last week, so it's going to be even harder. And um, Andrew Kelly back in the centres is a big another shift. He's been playing uh, wing, centre, wing, centre, bouncing around again. This uh, it, it really doesn't feel like the Rebels know what their best backline is, and they're hopefully bringing Andrew Kelly into the centres to try and slow down some of the outside backs that the Chiefs and the attacking weapons that they do have out there. Uh, but it doesn't give any confidence to him as a player or the backline in content in terms of continuity when you're naming players out of position all over the place week in, week out. Um, and, yeah, it, it, again, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be very easy for this Rebel side. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't thrown Reese Hodge in at 13 yet. They've shuffled people around that much. But um, mm. for Kelly, I feel like they've just gone, right, you're our best back. We're going to stick you at 13 because that's where, that's, where, that's where it all went wrong last week. So, um, 
but no, look, I think the, the other, in terms of positive news for the Rebels, what did excite me was uh, Pone Fama Sili back last week. Um, he's, he bagged himself a try and just, I think Nelson and I spent about 10 minutes talking about how massive and shredded he looked. But, um, you know, for, for mine, what I would do to win this game is um, it's easy to forget how how good Kabus Ilof has been. Um, he's had an enormous season uh, and is also another enormous human being. I'd just put him um, at number one and then have the world's biggest front row with Elof, Ponev, Thamosili and Jordan Walesi and just intimidate the Chiefs into um, giving up the ball at the scrum purely based on that. That's uh, that's the only strategy I can really see working. But, um, I just I can't see anyone intimidating Samosoli Takiaho, to be honest. Oh, just well, get look- penalties from the scrum and get Reese Hodge to kick it from his own try line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> That's it. Look, don't get me wrong. Takiyaho is an absolute weapon, but when you've got these like these like six five, this six five front row, it's there to get in front of you. Um, who are all about a hundred and uh, I don't know. But, I mean, Pone and um, and Kabus must be about one hundred thirty five hundred plus one hundred forty kilos almost. Yeah. Uh, and um, and Jordan Wallace is no small human being either. I think people forget how massive he is. But um, yeah, true. But yeah, so. No. Um, all right. Let's just go to tips in this one. I'll, I'm going to go first, um, and I'm, so I'm not going to temper my expectations with either of yours. I'm just going to say Chiefs, and I'm just going to go big, man. I'm going to go Chiefs by, you know, 28 points. I don't I'll, know if go, enough. Um, I'll go Chiefs by 40. Damn it. Yeah, I knew it wasn't big enough. <laughs> I'm just, I've got my super brew, and every every time you guys talk, I'm just like going down the road. <laughs> Bigger, bigger. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not that disheartened, Mitch. I'm, I'm going to go 25 for the Chiefs and I'm going to go top point scorer. It just it has to be Nanai Satura. Oh, okay, you've got him. Sorry. I'm going to go Joshuana then. I just think he, he loves a running game and I could see him cutting them up, particularly with Carter Gordon not being that solid there. Yeah. And Mitch, what about you? Um, I'll go with Caleb Trask. Right, task, okay. nice. A double playmaker. I agree, though, Harry. I think Joshua, this is the best game for him to come back and start in. That's why they've thrown him straight in there. I think he's 100%. just going to absolutely shred. It's going to be it's going to be a sight to watch. But um, awesome. All right. Well, look that uh, that wraps up the the main course. Uh, I realise this pod is it's getting on. We're, we're definitely getting on in time. I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> so thank you for staying with us, Mitch. Um, Shall we? We'll do a very very quick. Um, da 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 deserto what you gonna do with that deserto to round out the pod harry what have you got for us in dessert yeah well uh i, I just want to do a quick little questionnaire for the three of us because i saw it from someone else's podcast and i thought it was great um it wasn't the Pick and Drive podcast was it uh it wasn't it wasn't okay. no i would never steal their material um the question is, Is uh, we're obviously all rooting for Australia at the Rugby World Cup next year. If Australia don't win, who would you most like to win the competition? And least like, I should say. Let, let's do both. Uh, as in, who do we want to host the World Cup? No, no, no. For the no, who's next year's World it? Cup in France next <laughs> please, year, please, please. if Australia doesn't this, win it. This is how you can tell I've tuned out by, at, at this time. No, sorry. <laughs> if, if we don't want to win. Oh, okay. Well, I can answer this very quickly. If Australia's not going to win it, I want France to win it for sure. Yeah. And and uh, Mitch? We can't double up, can we? <laughs> sorry. So I jumped in. I was going to say France as well, I think. I mean, they're, they're forming nicely as, as one of the, the chances to really take it out. Um. Mm. If we're in the if we're in the realm of reality, 
and we have to pick a team that's going to win, I would say uh, I'll go with England. I'd love to see England, like Eddie Jones, finish off his reign at England. If he gets there, there's there's no guarantee that he'll get to the World Cup next year with how he's been going so far. But um, I'd love to see England take it out. I was really, really expecting them to take it out last time against South Africa and kind of uh, fell over the last hurdle. So... But if we're going outside of the realm of reality, I'd love to see maybe Ireland or Scotland, one of those uh, nations, take it out as well. Very good. I love that Ireland are not in the realm of reality when they were the number one team at the World Cup going in last year. Um, I, I was thinking you were, you were going to say Fiji when you went out of the realm of reality. I thought that would be the best thing ever. You know, the endure just carries them through. Um, I was thinking if I, if I can't go France, which I think is everyone's second team at the moment, it was kind of the, the thing that got me thinking about was the allegiance of like Southern Hemisphere versus Northern Hemisphere. And I'm a big fan of just Southern Hemisphere beating any Northern Hemisphere team every single time. So although I don't want them to have more to lord over us, if I can't have France win, then I think it should be New Zealand. Um, our neighbours, I do love seeing a legacy and I do love seeing the Southern Hemisphere teams just dominate. So I'm going for them. Yeah, look, I mean... Some of our uh, hardened uh, listeners will will realise I haven't jumped out yet. I've just been composing myself, trying to bring myself back to normal after Mitch said he'd like England to win it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just let my heart rate shoot through the roof. Uh, you know, Mitch, I had you up here and you just, you've dropped a little <laughs> bit in my uh, my estimation now. I was going to say, essentially, if it wasn't France, it's anyone but England would, is my ne- my next definite answer. Um, I, I pretty much became South African in that uh, last Rugby World Cup final. Um, I was just ready to, you know, move there. If um, And I was so st- – I was probably happier than the South Africans when they got that win over England. Um, so and was I was wearing a South African kimono at the game yeah. and all the staffers <laughs> kept coming yeah. up to me going, we did it. And I'm like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> That's it, right? Um, no, God, I hate England. But – um. No, I think I think France is very much within the realm of possibility. I, I don't know. Have we? Have we? We weren't saying that they. No, were. They, he said Ireland. He said Ireland. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, who, who do you think, Craig? Who do you think is would you least like to win? I think you might have just put the rolling on the wall there, but maybe no, that's, maybe yeah, that's that England. I mean, that's you. You never, you'd never have to ask me that question. That that's always England, and that's in any sport that they that they play, they participate in. Um, I've I've learned new sports uh, in in that England competes in to, and have to go for the other country. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> that's how far my passion goes in that respect. But um, no, yeah, I, I would least like England to win it. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think we've said Australia or France for, for winning it. What about you guys? Least like to win it, Mitch? I feel like Mitch is going to say New Zealand. Least like to win it. Yeah, you got it. You got it in the in the bag. I think I'm being a bit controversial on the podcast and going. With every against what everyone else thinks. Um, in in my view, if New Zealand wins another World Cup, their heads are going to just absolutely explode, and <laughs> they will have the ego that is so big that no one else in the world will ever be able to play a Test match against them again, because they're they'd be what two or three World Cups clear of the next country who's won yeah, a, a few way. World Cups, and at that point they'll start saying that what's the point of playing the World Cup? There's no point. No one can catch us. We're that good. They're already yeah. saying about Super Rugby at the moment, so I don't think the New Zealand fans need any more fuel. So I don't. I would not like to see New Zealand win it. Very good. I'm going to say along a similar line of thought. I was always going to say South Africa, 
because, man, if they win a game, it's like they're immediately the untouchable <laughs> side in the world. So when they won that last World Cup, I enjoyed it with the fans, but we haven't heard the end of it for three years. And, <laughs> and generally, somehow it all turns into, and Australia are terrible. South Africa are amazing, <laughs> and Australia are terrible, and we're ruining New Zealand rugby. So I, I can't cop another four years of that. So I love South, South Africa, but I really hope they don't win another World Cup. It's true. <laughs> I, I think... think I think Nelson actually lost the majority of his hair just from those um, South African WhatsApp rugby groups that you guys are in, you know, with the elite rugby banter and whatnot, just from yeah. the last couple of years alone. But um, no, I, <laughs> I agree with Harry. I kind of also got that Southern Hemisphere versus Northern Hemisphere alliance. Like I loved the fact that the the, the World Cup in England, the, you know, the, the two semifinals were all Southern Hemisphere teams. It was like, yeah, thanks for having us uh, up there. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. With New Zealand, it's interesting. I feel like, most Aussies are, are, are kind of are, would align with you, Mitch, in that it's anyone but New Zealand. Um, and I think just for me, it's because probably all of my favourite players in fantasy are all Kiwis, uh, and that's why I watch Super Rugby to watch the, <laughs> the things that the Kiwis do. But um, no, I mean, you know, when you go to a Bledisloe, there's no one on the planet that I hate more than the Kiwis at that time. But um, mm. yeah, I'm with Harry. I, I'm happy. I don't mind if they win again, as long as it's Southern Hemisphere team. I'd probably rather they win than the Sappers. So that's, um, yeah. there you go. But, um, are, they, are they classified as a Southern Hemisphere team anymore? Definitely, <laughs> the mate, they're still in until like 2025, I think, is when they're going to ditch us. So uh, for now. Yeah, and, then we can, and then we can just go against them every single year together. So that'll be good. I am looking forward to seeing how some of the uh, Pacific Island nations go at this next World Cup with the, uh, the change in eligibility laws. So Tonga particularly has uh, the potential to name quite a juicy side if some of the talent does agree to, to sign on and play for them, which would be exciting. And, I mean, you never know. Imagine 2027 if, if Fiji or Tonga gets through to, like, the semifinal. That would be just massive. Yeah, that would be. Well, awesome. if Fiji go through, let's hope it's with Australia and Wales don't get through the pools then. 2027. That's, yeah, um, but we're all in the same pool every year. Yeah, every time. Yeah. It's, always, it's always the same. It's always Fiji. Australia. But don't, don't, as if we get the World Cup, don't we automatically qualify in, in pool A? I don't Are the know, host nations it? always in pool A then? I thought they just went they, off the rankings three years yeah. out. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't think I'm not no, sure. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, guys, I think I think we should wrap this thing up. I agree. I agree. Now, look, this was uh, an awesome pod. We've uh, I think it was episode nineteen rounds. Uh, we're looking at round thirteen of Super Rugby Pacific. Only a few rounds to go, and uh, have been blessed this evening to be joined by Mitch from the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. And um, uh, hopefully, we will we'll catch. We'll we'll see you on the weekend at the game at the Tars game for uh, we'll be celebrating the Tars win. Um, because we've all tipped that way. Um, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, until until next week, thank you for tuning in to the Draft Rugby Podcast. Of course, you can catch it on YouTube as well. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Hooroo.